Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Jason Dillon at Hard Money Bankers and Ian Horowitz at Equity Warehouse coming to you live again. That's what we do every day. So today is Friday, April 10th. Um, April 10th is somewhat of a special day, I think, for a lot of real estate investors. And we're going to get into that in a second related to what today means. Um, as always, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to comment below. Comment on this feed. And if you could do us a favor and share this feed as well to any other real estate professionals that are interested in kind of hearing um, you know, what, what, you know, some insight information related to real estate investing, feel free to do that as well. So, okay. So today we're going to give you some updates of what we found out related to the PPP, uh, paycheck, paycheck, uh, paycheck protection plan uh, or program. Sorry, we're going to discuss that. We also have um, a special guest hopping on in about 10 minutes. He's a property manager and we've got some questions to grill him on uh, related to what he's seeing out there. And we also, on Fridays, we do case studies. So this, so today we're going to do a case study from a recent 34-unit building that uh, Ian purchased. And we've got a screen share with everybody as well. We decided Fridays would be a good day to share, do case studies with uh, just deals that we're personally doing or deals that we've seen some of our clients do during, during these times. So hope everybody is staying safe and healthy during these unfortunate times. And uh, tune in because this is going to be this is going to be a fun one, isn't it, Ian? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just sitting here trying to figure out. I don't think I'm live on Pretty Warehouse's page. If anyone over there can uh, <clears throat> let me know if we're live on that page, I have no clue. Jason just keeps saying press live, and I just get this spinning wheel of death. So I have no clue. We're still trying to figure out how to stream on multiple places. Um, <clears throat> it's been a it's been a great week. I mean, us personally, uh, you know, the the first has passed, the fifth has passed. Um, rent most of the majority of the rents have been paid. I know there's some reports coming out from the larger apartment, um, the larger apartment associations and uh, realtor associations saying everyone's seeing approximately uh, three quarters of rents being paid on time, somewhere between seventy and eighty percent, which I think is pretty good overall. Um, I do know a property that we're looking at purchasing that, uh, you know, it's 76 units. She just told us that about 75% of the property paid, um, and it's the normal straggler. So that's good news, um, across the board from what we can tell. Um, the other part of the, uh, oh, I do have some pertinent information for those that are interested. We got this new screen share. Let me know when you want to break bring that up. You got to share your screen and we can do that. All right. Let's see. Let's bring up the flow chart. Uh, can everyone see this, Jay? Yep. The flow chart. Um, this was passed to me by um, someone that uh, has a very large multifamily holding in the Southeast. This comes from their uh, uh, basically institutional um, property manager. And this is more or less a trauma decision tree or a, a rent decision tree on how to handle the situation. Um, and it walks you never, uh, very nicely through and what to say to the tenants, um, to ultimately get to the end and, you know, insert your own portals and programs that you would utilize here. Um, I'll find a way to post this in the comments or find a way to give a link, uh, to this. Um, it's very, uh, it's, it's laid out very nicely for those that are having trouble or, you know, there's too much emotion involved in your, um, in your, uh, in your decision. Uh, the other thing thing that I did get um, is this one. 
that comes from the National Asso Apartment Association, which I believe you can download this right off their website. Um, I don't think you have to be a member. And basically, it's a plan due to COVID-19, and it's a nice formal form uh, that you should be able to utilize. Again, I'll find a way to post this in the comments, or Jason, if you can bless the email list, um, uh, we'll figure out a way to get that done. Um, uh, in other news, uh, I know the discussion of PPP. If I'm rambling on, please stop me. But I know the PPP, a big day was today for the 1099 contractors for um, what else? For who else? For uh, sole proprietors. Uh, basically, I do know. So there are some, there are some caveats. Uh, I don't know how much of this is going to pertain to real estate investors. Uh, the first thing is if you and your wife are married, um, and you file jointly on your sole proprietorship, uh, you can only file up to $100,000 for the both of you. It's not $100,000 each. If you make in excess of $100,000 or less than, um, it's basically a joint income for the both of you. Um, what else was in there? I have the article here. Also, the understanding is that, um, let me pull it off, is that if it's a passive, Real estate investment, as it's classified under taxes, is that real estate developers um, would not qualify. So, so real estate developers, as the agency guidance states, that an ineligible passive business cannot obtain an FBA loan for any purpose, including the purchase or construction of a building for its own use. Um, so, I guess there's some not complete clarity, um, but it sounds like they're utilizing that one caveat here to not allow people to apply for the PPP. Uh, Jay, do you have anything else on it? I'm going to try to figure out our Facebook stream. Yeah. So related, related to that. So I guess today's the day for all independent contractors, I'm guessing real estate agents, single member LLC. So anyone without payroll, right? That that's the big key Correct. for anyone who doesn't, who doesn't have payroll and employees uh, that, that they're paying that one's today. Now, that being said, everyone we've talked to, uh, including our personal experience, it's kind of been a cluster out there. And we don't know as, as of now, anyone who's got funding or money in place. I think we're all confident that it's going to come in. I, I know I am confident and I believe you are too, Ian, but at the same time, yes. no, no one, no one that we know has had it yet. Um, you know, we had to make some changes on some additional documents that, that they wanted, uh, so we'll so we'll see. I mean, I think the initial thoughts were money in hand the same day or the next day, but that didn't happen. Um, and now they're saying it could be another month before funds are in place. So, you know, I guess we'll see. I'm looking at some notes that I had that I wrote down related to some of this as well. You know, I know we talked a lot about just the PPP. Maybe the other, one day we'll talk about the economic industry disaster loan as well. That's the one where that's a $10,000 advance that I believe is completely forgivable. And then you can get a full loan from the SBA. It's a 30 year loan at 3.75% interest rate. Um, you know, for, uh, you know, for based on your cash flow, uh, and your, and your business receivables, how high that, that can go. We'll jump into that one, one day at, at some point as well. But yeah, so PPP, it's kind of still out there, but you know, now right. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if anyone's applied today, who's a sole proprietor or an individual entity without, uh, or a contractor who's just um, who has not um, who doesn't have payroll. You know, we know a lot of people who are on who have payroll who applied yes who applied last Friday. I'm curious to see who has already applied today, though. Yeah, and I, I, I from my understanding is that nobody's even received a thousand dollar 
advance, whether from the state or the uh, or the feds. Um, and I also know that a few people said they've been approved for the PPP, but have not received any funding. And you know, we've heard upwards of upwards of four weeks on that. Um, so please, if anybody has received it or have any additional or better information, um, please forward it or feel free to jump on here. We'll get you on the show um, and we can discuss it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, cool. Should we you want to hop on with Donnie real quick and then we'll we'll circle back on some of the other stuff. Uh, yep. I'm just finishing up a few. Let's bring them on while I finish up a few shares. <clears throat> hey, Donnie, how are you? Hey guys, how are you? Donnie, what's up? Doing excellent. How Doing things out in uh, how things out in West Virginia? Uh, pretty much the same as they've been the last couple weeks. Just kind of crazy and uh, making adjustments to try to run business as usual as as normal as can be, but uh, making it a little tough on us. What what you know the magic day was four one related to rents being due. How'd that turn out so far? What's the day? The tenth. So ten days in, you have yeah. an idea of your percentage of rents you collected. So uh, ten days in so far, uh, I feel like I should knock on wood. It hasn't been as bad as expected. Um, honestly, I'm a little more worried about May than April. Um, Agreed. April so far has been, um, you know, there's some there's some people that have already, you know told us about the hardship. We've taken the stance of uh, if you can't pay, give us something in writing saying that you are not working, that you have applied for whatever benefits you can or are eligible for, and we'll work with you on a plan. Um, and I've had a couple that have paid partial payments um, because of that and a couple that haven't paid yet. But I would say, you know, we manage about 500 to 550 units. So, you know, we always have a little bit of a lag you know, the first week of the month, I would say a normal month, 80% of our rents or 90% of our rents are in in the first three four days. Um, I'd say this month it's maybe five or 10% less than that. Um, so it's not hitting us too hard yet. Um, I, I'm pleasantly surprised, I should say. I guess that's good news for us. Uh, I know I was, I was completely surprised when we came out there and you were saying that, uh, on March 31st that, you know, you already have rents paid in advance. Um, yeah. So that was pretty cool. What, what immediate actions and uh, just real quick about yourselves. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, how many, so people can understand how many units you guys manage um, one that, and then two, how are you guys, is there specific things um, like unemployment that you're making them prove or how are you working out workout agreements with people um, going forward here? Yeah, so we are asking them to provide some sort of uh, proof in writing of what they've applied for. So if it's your um, residential tenants that they had applied for unemployment um, or that they have something from their employer. You know, I do have a few employers that um, or a few tenants whose employers are continuing to pay salary, um, even though they're closed with some very limited uh, remote working. So, you know, something. Um, I've got somebody that, that their employer is saying that's going to take effect within, you know, X time within the next week or two. So a, a letter in writing saying you have applied for benefits or um, or at least making an attempt to. And basically the reason for that is for something for the, the landlords to have for their lenders if, if they're in a tight spot. Um, we've got some commercial tenants um, that are, you know, have applied for their their um, small business loans. 
that have none of that funding's came through yet to my knowledge. So um, just something showing that, yes, we have applied. And when this takes effect, we will catch up, you know, and we're, most of my owners are willing to work on some sort of payment plan with them over the next few months. I mean, it's kind of fluid how this is going to turn out. Um, everybody's trying to be as creative as possible. You know, I have, I have some owners that are in a better spot than others. Some that can, can absorb this easier than others. And I have some with some commercial properties, um, that just acquired that, you know, they're a little tighter, so it's going to affect them a little harder. And, and we may have to, uh, provide something to their lenders quicker than some of the others. So, um, something in, in just some sort of proof that they're moving forward. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, and that's what everybody's seeing all across. Uh, I would say the country. I mean, we've we've talked to a lot of people here recently, but locally and uh, a little more semi-nationally, um, and it seems to be the same uh, guidance, I guess per se, or is everyone seeing the same outlook going forward? So I guess that's the news. Uh, would you be willing to share what the uh, state's attorney was passing around, saying uh, something along the lines? You know, it was you people were trying to use the situation in a negative way. Yeah, so uh, about a week and a half ago, our state attorney general put out a press release, um, basically a letter of warning to property management companies and landlords um, about uh, not filing or, or even threatening to file eviction to tenants during this time. Um, you know, I personally think it was a little bit of an overstep. Um, that, you know, I think uh, a property owner has the right to protect their assets. Um I certainly do not want any owner to take advantage of, of the situation on, on someone who's experiencing a hardship. But, you know, the concern from my side when when statements come out, uh, blanket statements that you can't um, uh, threaten or or enforce a certain term of a lease, um, I think that opens up uh, a door for a lot of people to use an excuse um, to not perform. Um, knock on wood, we have not seen that like I sort of expected I would. I did have, you know, in the very beginning, I did have a few tenants come to me and and I'm not sure if it was an excuse or more of a fear and not an understanding that, um, you know, tried it immediately to say, you know, I don't know when my rent's going to be paid. Um, but it turns out those and I knew these tenants were on a fixed income um, retirement or Social Security type situation. Um, and I had to explain to them that, you know, this will not affect them. Um, uh, but so far, I think most of the people who have came to us and have been very proactively coming to us uh, before um, before rent was due and saying, you know, here's how I'm affected. Um, I have I've been pleasantly surprised that it hasn't been used as an excuse yet. Yeah, I mean, and and it, and it, it's it's interesting, and like you said, I think this is the first one, right? So there's going to be more pain, um, you know, as the time goes by, and sure. uh, you know, it's it's going to be hard if someone's losing their job. Chances are they're not getting a new job, yeah. uh, and to, yeah. until some of this stuff changes. So I I would I would agree with that, and I think that's across the board. That's mortgage payments, that's rental payments, that's uh, stat distressed sellers. There hasn't been enough pain come April yet besides consumer confidence and fear, right? right? So come April, May will be worse, June will be worse. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it'll be back to normal. Who knows what normal even means anymore, but um, hopefully that, that will have, that will happen then. So that's, that's a good point. And I think we're all kind of 
you know, seeing the same things. And uh, we'll, we'll give you a little quote that um, we we heard on CNBC about a week ago that we've been sharing pretty regularly with with all of our viewers is, you know, it's the tenants or you know, it's the it's the tenants and it's the borrowers obligation to pay their rent and to pay their mortgage if they can. But it's also the landlord and the mortgage holders obligation to help out those tenants or those mortgage uh, or those borrowers that can't afford to pay them. So, and it's good that I think everyone's on the same page. I mean, the, the tenants, you know, the, the landlord wants, you know, if they're making an excuse and they're just using this as like, eh, I don't feel like paying my rent right now, even though I can, unacceptable. If they really, if they really can't, absolutely. Um, absolutely work with everybody that they can to, to, to make it work. And maybe they can pay their rent now, but they can't pay it in a month from now. And, you know, then everything gets reassessed then. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And honestly, um, that's where a few of our commercial tenants have been. You know, we've got um, daycares that have been affected recently when they had to close. Of course, uh, dance um, studios, um, some other things that are, um, you know, dependent on, children or, or individuals coming in for classes that can't, so they can't operate right now. Now, most of those had, had a little bit of a reserve, so that hasn't hit us yet, but they've, they've all came to us and said, we're good for April. Um, you know, if this, we have applied for some lend some loans, um, through the SBA program and some others. And if this doesn't come through by May 1st, we may have to have a serious discussion on what we can do. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Hopefully some of this funding will come out a little sooner than than hoped. But um, I don't know of anyone yet that's got anything in hand. Um, you guys may. I, I, I don't know. But no, no. Yeah, that's what we were talking. That's what we were talking about at the beginning. We haven't heard. We've heard of people getting approved. We haven't heard of anyone actually receiving funding yet. Um, and that's kind of the big unknown. I'm sure it'll show up with our our $3,400 check or whatever we're supposed to get from the United States government. So God only knows when we'll get that. Um, typical I, government fashion. We'll be waiting. Sure. I mean, on a state level, I do believe that uh, some of the unemployment has started flowing here in West Virginia with the additional, um, I think it's a $600 additional payment you can work So, you know, our, <clears throat> our residential tenants aren't doing as bad as I expected yet. Um, and I hope right. that moves that way. In fact, um, you know, we, we have the brokerage side with Real Property Solutions and we have First Management Group that does the management. Um, our activity on um, vacant properties for the rental side, residential, is, is still pretty, um, pretty busy. I'm getting inquiries every day on apartments, um, even some houses. Um, now, our showing process is a little bit different. You know, we've taken the, the approach company-wide that we put a mask on. We open the door for them on a vacant unit, let them go in. Um, we'll stand there right outside the door, right inside the door, and then we'll come out and maintain our distance and, and answer any questions. And they can do everything online as far as lease signings, applications, uh, deposits, and that sort of thing. Nice. Um, but we're showing rental property um, very regularly. We're having move in. Um, so, you know, as far as uh, I guess a lot of a lot of the one of the people that we have had move in, I guess, would be designated as essential because they're still working. Um, if they tighten that any tighter then I would assume people would be a little more hesitant to jump into at least right now. Um, the sales side of it, it's been a little slower. Um, the commercial retail and office space side has been pretty much non-existent the last several weeks. Right. 
Um, and I do worry a little bit about those vacancies uh, moving forward because, you know, I'm not sure how this will affect the new norm for small businesses, you know, finding out, hey, we can do a lot of this stuff remotely. Yeah, we, we did a discussion earlier this week with one of our commercial brokers and, um, you know, the smaller companies we, we believe are still going to be there. The, the first managements and the hard money bankers and equity sure. warehouses of the world, we're all going to still need something. Um, we think that the larger um, office space, you know, like Mason's, you know, the yeah. casino, those types of places <clears throat> potentially don't need it anymore. Um, Donnie, it's all right with you since you're here. We were going to do a case study on the 34 unit building that we actually recently purchased out there. Um, And since you know it intimately, I'm going to pull it up here on the screen uh, just for everybody so they know this is how Donnie and I and uh, well, Pete and Dan met. Um, Pete, I guess, actually worked with uh, Donnie. I guess you used to do medical installs at one point. Yeah, I still actually do have a side business installing some medical equipment, and I met Pete that way. Yeah, uh, Jay, is the share up? Yep. There we go. There, there we go. Yeah, so I guess uh, the first thing oh, – oh, oh, I went the wrong way. So here's the 34-unit building. Um, it's uh, it's a 212 units and a 10-unit. Um, a lot of people ask, well, how the heck did you wind up in Ransom, West Virginia? For those that you don't know or you're locally here – it literally sits right behind, right behind the Charlestown Casino. Um, Donnie has a property management company out there and a brokerage. You guys manage about 500 units, you told us? Yeah, right? roughly five, between five and 550, I think. I, I yeah. haven't counted in the last yeah. yeah, you stop counting after a certain number. I get it. Um, but anyway, so uh, Donnie was actually managing these properties. So um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but how, you know, how do we find the property? Donnie was the current property manager, um, and he was uh, he was working with one of with our partner uh, Pete. And Pete actually brought us the deal and said, "Hey, Donnie's got this deal. We don't know, you know, I don't know about this deal on my own. Would you want to work with us?" Um, and that's kind of how we found the deal. Um, Donnie, I don't know if you want to go into kind of what your management status is was with the owner um, as you were bringing the deal to us. Um, yeah, I can general terms. So we were, we had taken over management of these three buildings, um, for this owner about, uh, eight months to a year prior to the sale. It's actually about a year prior to the sale of you purchasing. Um, we followed a model that we had done for the same owner over the last two years. Um, this owner owned approximately 150 units in, in town. Um, cut up into buildings of eight to 12 units per building. Um, and in 2018, we took over 20 units, which was two buildings, took over the management of those and um, facilitated a sale on those two buildings. And then 2019 um, took over three more buildings for her and facilitated a sale and did just did the same thing here with these three buildings in 2020, Um, you know, when you purchase the vacancy rate was extremely high. I mean, they're just, the previous owner just didn't have the capital to, um, to uh, plunge into the property that needed to be done to get the rents where they need to be. Um, So rents were low and um, deferred maintenance was high. Um, You know, so there was a, it was a project, um, that needed to be taken on by uh, a group that could um, invest in the property what needed to be done. Right. Um, 
And that's and that's why that's why we thought it was a deal. So when when Donnie brought the deal to Pete, because I guess so really everyone asked, well, how do you find deals? And everyone says, oh, network, 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 network. I guess Pete and Donnie at some point had a discussion that they're both in real estate. And Pete said, hey, I'm always looking. And Donnie said, hey, I got this. And next, you know, we're looking at rents in West Virginia. Why was it a deal? Pete, Donnie was just alluding to it is that there was major deferred maintenance. Uh, I think the husband had passed away. He was kind of like the one that was really uh, running the property. She was having a little bit of trouble, couldn't get rents up where they needed to be, kind of handcuffed your hands um, to getting maintenance done on the property. Uh, other than that, just for our aspect of things, and I'll have Donnie comment in a second, but the reason we thought it was a deal, you know, there was a few things happening. There was increased pricing in our metro market. Um, when we were looking at the Baltimore area where we operate, pricing was so out of control, we couldn't find deals. We didn't need to go do a deal just to do a deal, but it kind of expanded horizons. So it was actually a good thing that we got out and looked. Um, we found out the property is only about an hour from our office. It needed major value add and stabilization, which I have some pictures, which we'll jump into. Um, as Donnie said, rents were way below market. I think rents were about 550, 565, something crazy like that for uh, one bedroom. Somewhere as low as five fifty eight, um, yeah, and uh, up to six, just over six, six twenty. Right. The high right, and when we looked at that, we said, okay, well, there's about a two hundred fifty dollar delta that we could pick up and get rents up to seven fifty. Um, Donnie's hands were tied. Uh, the other nice thing is that, well, maybe not for you, but two seventy's gone in and has been dragging all the people from Jason's area out to the Frederick corridor. And then all the people from Frederick just keep continuing to move out 70. So that's actually driving. And I think Donnie, you can comment that you've seen some nice growth in your area um, with the, the, the I-270 corridor coming in and there's been a lot of growth out in that, in that yeah. area. Absolutely, yes, it's, um, um, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say, I was gonna finish up and you can comment on a few of those things is that the other reason that we were comfortable doing this deal is the fact that we had a previous, we did me and Dan did not have a previous relationship, but uh, Donnie and Pete had a very good working relationship installing high-end medical equipment in hospitals. So therefore we assumed Donnie's a trustworthy, trustworthy guy when we when we started to peel the layers back. Plus his partner's a lawyer in the brokerage in the in the um in the uh, um in the property management company. So that kind of gives us an added layer of protection because we normally manage properties on our own. For, so this was a new thing for us. Um, as Donnie alluded to, there's additional properties potentially for sale. So we know we could grow in that marketplace. Um, and the other big one that Donnie uh, let us know at the very last second was, is that the city was pressing up on her to, to fix the properties because there was so much deferred maintenance. Um, Donnie, I don't know if you want to add anything on any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing that that probably added a little bit of comfort to you, um, you know, I mentioned briefly that we had facilitated some some sales um, on from the same owner that were literally a block away that looked exactly like the, these buildings did with a fifty percent vacancy or so uh, when they sold, and then within six months um, or or so, we had turned them around with renovations on the exterior and interiors. And, and those um, units, as an example, over the last two years, we had brought the rents up, you know, to fully occupied within a few months at rates of um, where we were getting 558 or, or 600 for rents before. You know, now we're getting 725, 750 and higher for the one bedrooms and 850 and right. higher 
the two bedrooms. So I think we had a little bit of a proven record right there in that specific market that um, probably puts you at ease a little bit too. Uh, of course, we manage a ton of buildings like this. Um, and you mentioned networking earlier. Uh, we facilitated um, transactions over the last two or three years in multifamily in, in our local area. Um, I probably say, you know, a couple hundred units or more. Um, and it's none of them have been listed on the open market. It's, it's been networking with investors we already have relationships with or people coming to us, even other brokerages, knowing that we have a little bit of a niche in this in this market and saying, hey, do you, we, I got a buyer. Do you have anything? Um, so we're always have a pulse on that and, and a pretty good feel on on how to manage these um, properties and turn them over and make them productive for an owner. Yeah, definitely. That proof of concept was huge for us. Um, and the fact that you're willing to facilitate all the construction um, and us knowing that we're only an hour away, that if we have to step in and put our hands in the pot, we can. Um, <clears throat> so here's some pictures of the buildings. Um, I don't know if you can see my cursor, but the top left is what a typical kitchen was looking like. As you guys can see, it's probably been since the 80s. Back of the building, I don't know if it translates well, but the back of the building was literally rotting away. This building was actually... The city was well on their way to saying, hey, nobody can live here. The roof was deplorable. Um, the siding and everything else. The carpet, uh, I don't know. Donnie tried finding similar carpet. They don't even make it anymore. Um, and here's one of the one of the other buildings that backs up to this building. So it's actually, there's a building here, a building here. I forgot to put the screenshot of what the layout looks like, but there's another building just a little bit away. Um, but you can see there was a, a, a good bit of deferred maintenance just in this um picture. Here's what we improved. Um, this is a real quick uh, deep dive case study because we can talk about this for hours. But as you can see, this is that first building. We updated the siding, got it all painted up. Looks a lot more presentable. New roof. This building, like I said, from the city, they're basically saying nobody could, well, on their way to saying nobody could live there. So we had to put a new roof on right away. Tons of rotted wood. Um, here's two different interiors based on what the layouts look like, new kitchens, updating the kitchens, getting full size stoves in them, um, and getting, getting, uh, you know, the flooring updated. I mean, for, you know, we're talking 3,500 to $5,000 per unit to update these things, um, between the outside and inside, we're going from like Donnie was saying 550 and what we're looking at leases at 775 to 800. Uh, potentially. So, um, Don, you got anything on that? Yeah. So I think we've, um, an update for you. I think we've placed three at 775, um, since you've taken over and, uh, I've got a couple on the hook with the new kitchen cabinet layout. Um, I'm hoping to get in at 800 here by the end of this month. So, uh, definitely the money spent on the property is paying off. Um, you know, there on the outside, they look even better now that all the siding is done on the building. So, um, yeah. it's uh, definitely an improvement. Um, city's happy. They came and did a final inspection on that building and I wasn't present, but from what I understand, they were, uh, they were basically jumping for joy at what we've, uh, accomplished there and they're, you know, they have been on, they had been on that owner for a long time and you were correct in threatening, um, to start some, um, right. some serious uh, consequences to that owner if if, if work was had was not completed. So, right. um, yep. 
you've started off with a great relationship with the city because you've, you've came in and, and quickly proven that you are willing to invest in the property in the town, um, which in turn invests in the tenants. So um, that buys us a, a good relationship moving forward with them. Um, so, you know, I'm happy about that. Uh, as a manager, you know, I have a great relationship with the, with the city, um, but they understand that, you know, some of my properties, I am at an owner's um, ultimate say. So, you know, there are times that, that you know, the city can come to me 10 times and I'm, I'm not going to be able to fix it without an owner yeah. approval. Um, so they're happy to see, um, see this moving forward. Uh, yeah, well, that's, a, that's the number one reason why we don't manage properties for other people is that, you know, your hands are tied and it's, it's our nature. I mean, as you've seen is to get it done, get it fixed and, you know, get the things right. And it does make it tough for you um, as a manager. Cause in the end, we, you know, we want the private ownership um, to owning them, you know? Well, and another point I'll, I'll point out, I just, I just had this thought, you know, uh, you got tenants in these buildings that have been there since they were built a couple of them and others that have been there 15 years. Um, and, you know, they're, they're paying uh, those low rates, $558. Um, you know, so they're coming to me. I love what you're doing, but, you know, how, how bad is it going to be for me? And, you know, I think a mentality that some owners could take here with a property like this is, you know, this is all people can afford to pay here. I can't afford to put money into the property because of this. Um, but I've had two tenants already who've been down in that low rent range who want to take a new renovated unit from us at market rate and are happy to do so with the improvements. So not only can we find quality tenants outside, I think this is good proof that if you invest in your property, your tenant will invest in you as well. Um, Absolutely. So one of our tenants uh, upstairs at 318 wants to move downstairs at, at our current asking market rate. And that'll give us another unit up there to, to renovate and bring up. So I think it's a good model that not only are a good sign that not only are we um, bringing in new folks that, that some of the older folks are, are very happy with what we're doing and willing to, to buy. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. All good points. And that, that was actually an added bonus uh, for ourselves. I know Jason was texting me here on the side asking about the financing. How did we lay it out? Right. And normally it'd be very, was that? That's what everybody. That's what everybody cares about. How how'd you get this thing? How'd you get this thing structured? Did you use a bank? Did you use, um, so Did you use the hard money lender? So originally we went through. Um, when we originally talked to Donnie, she was willing to owner finance it, um, and we were going to hold second investor debt, set it up as equity, all this other stuff, which was kind of risky because it was a new market. Uh, there was no proof of concept. We had a lot of you know Donnie told us this and Donnie told us that, but you know. In the end, we're putting the investor money out. Um, she didn't accept the owner financing offer initially, um, or she did and then retracted on it. So we went back at a super low cash price number um, and wound up saving almost, I think, $5,000 a door. It was quite a bit of money just to offer all cash. Well, we thought that was a great idea. And we, um, you know, we went out beating our chest and said, let's go. Um, it, you know, it was. I want to say a struggle because it was a new market for us, but we went out and um, we got a short-term first position note uh, from an institutional type. Uh, I want to call it a hard money lender. It's somewhere in, in between a bank and, uh, and, uh, and what, you know, true traditional short-term funds were. 
Uh, we came in, we brought in second possession investor debt secured by the LLC because it's dedicated just to those properties. Um, and once we're stabilized, the majority of the properties, uh, you know, about 65 to 70%, we're going to go in and talk to the local banks and or do a small balance Freddie or Fannie if they're still alive after all this, um, which would potentially give us a non-recourse loan because the loan would be above a million bucks. They really like the one to $5 million range. However, talking with Donnie, we've always done very well with um, local banks and talking to Donnie that the local banks have a huge appetite for this stuff, which I completely understand. Um, and that's how we laid it out. Uh, does it make, make sense to you, Jay? Yeah, as the, pretty simple. As the finance guy. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, a lot of people always say, well, I don't know how to get involved. I don't have cash. I don't have this. I don't have that. You know, if you're willing to take a little bit of risk and you have good deals, money will find good deals. I, I know Jason said it a ton, but if you have a good deal, money will find you. I promise you. Um, it's not that hard. So going forward, if we do take down the rest of the portfolio, I know there's potential for some owner financing. Um, and potentially setting this up more in an equity structure. But we didn't want to go out there, try this out, find out we didn't like it, and then have to sell it off and tell all the equity investors that what we said, we're, what we, said we were going to do isn't going to happen. Um, but Donnie, you know, he's come through so far. And, uh, you know, we, we believe that we're going to stay out here in this marketplace for a while. Um, here's a quick brief overview of the pro forma. You can see we're, we're losing money in the first two years. Uh, because it was so distressed and there's so much turnover and we had to make a ton of assumptions. Um, but as it refinances and goes through, it does provide a nice cash flow. There should be a huge uptick in uh, equity um, as we move forward. You know, if any, maybe we could do a, a longer call and really deep dive this, how we got to these assumptions. But it was a huge learning curve uh, from Donnie and from learning a new metro area based on taxes, based on service providers i think our trash pickup for three buildings is the equivalent for one week in baltimore so it is a big difference um <laughs> you know you guys really need to understand what the new marketplaces are bringing you um and then finally where the current status is we completed that exterior on 200 marshall uh, we begin doing the exterior projects on the other two we've already turned several units donnie's been Surprising, you know, that was a big fear of ours that there wasn't going to be demand for units. And uh, every week you say, hey, I've had people come through. I've had people come through. Um, the casino is probably one of the big employers out there. The increase from new renters um, has been all positive. Uh, the laundry rooms are updated. For, 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 for those of you that don't have coin-operated laundry, it's probably one of the funnest thing to do is go clean out the quarters and see how much you have at the end of the year. Um, and the other big thing is, you know, again, how do you find money for deals is that the second position investors are receiving monthly interest payments and they're receiving them on time. And that goes a long way because we're already getting, hey, what do you guys got next? You know, where, where are we going? What are we doing? So um, just a quick overview, how we got the deal, how we found it and uh, where it's headed. And we can do another update once everything's completed and uh, we refinance it. Nice, nice, good stuff. Well, Donnie, we obviously appreciate you hopping on. There was one real quick question um, from the audience. Uh, do you do short-term rentals in Martinsburg? Uh, like, we, property management. We do have several units in Martinsburg that we manage, um, and some of them will do short-term rentals. I would just have to see if we have any of those open right now. Typically, there's a little bit of a higher monthly payment as expected, um, but we usually do have someone that will do um, at least six months. Like, 
Yeah, like you'll like you'll manage short term rentals for oh, a landlord, lord, lord, landlord. That's landlord absolutely yes. Yeah, yeah, for that. Okay, cool. Well, why don't you give everybody your info real quick if anyone wants to get a hold of you? And, sure. You can uh, uh, email me at Donnie at rpswv.com. That's RPS, like Real Property Solutions, West Virginia.com. And we'll put that in the comments. Sure. Yeah, per perfect. When we hop off, just comment that below as well, and we'll go from there. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right, it. Man. I mean, appreciate yep. it. See you. Nice. All right. So good stuff. Good stuff. That was a good case study. You know, I, I like that segment every Friday. We'll continue to come up with case studies just to keep everybody moving forward. And I know that that property you purchased before kind of this outbreak happened, but it still falls under the same lines, right? You know, because there's well, going to be... Good. Yeah. Here, I'm sorry. Well, you're going to say, uh, you know, you purchased before this whole thing happened. I mean, buying at $38,000 a door, we know, and based on what the cost expense ratio out there is, we can really drive down... That thing survives at the $550 rate, right? It doesn't cash flow great, but it'll pay the mortgage, right? And we'll, we can have the cheapest rents around. We can undercut everybody. So we just halt improvements and we go back and rent them out at $550 a, a unit. And we sit around and we wait until there's a time to go in and finish the improvements. From what we can tell, as long as this thing doesn't last for a very long period of time, we can continue to drive forward and get them done, right? And that's the goal. That's where the equity comes in. Who'd you got? What resources did you use down there to do your renovations? Uh, yeah, some we didn't really deep dive into with Donnie is that he does have full availability to do construction, uh, construction management. He has um, the wherewithal to get it all done. So, you so know, he's, been, he's been doing it or his yeah. crew, he has guys yeah. that have been doing it. Okay. Just yeah. And if, you, if you're running a pro forma on it, just figure, you know, that you're going to have to pay some sort of percentage, you know, look up Google what industry standards are for that. And yeah. you should be somewhere in that basis to get it done. Yeah. You know? Just curious. Cause I mean, we've never done deals out of state. This is your first deal out of state. And I mean, that's not true. We've done some, you know, in surrounding States, uh, very, yeah. you know, uh, here, here and there, not recently, but we did when we got started uh, years ago, but all of them were relationship based, just like this one was, where we had an operator that we felt could execute and be eyes and ears on the. You know, and here's the, the thing, you know, when when you're operating out of state, you know, a lot of people go, like, oh, "I'm going to," uh, you know, I hear Cleveland, like a lot of stuff about Ohio a lot, and you know, no no slight to Pete because that's where he's from, but is that <laughs> yeah, sure things are cheaper. Memphis is another good one that I always hear. I'm going to Memphis. I'm going to Memphis. Well, who do you have there? Well, I know prices are cheaper. Everything's relative. We didn't go there because things were cheaper. We went there because the pricing made sense to us. And that's the other thing you got to mentally get cope your head around. Like improvements were like, oh, granted, we got to do this. We got to do that. And it's like, no, hold on. That's not what the market dictates. This is what the market dictates. And, you know, your pricing, well, it might be cheaper. It's all relative based on the rents, right? Like you're not going to rent that apartment in Baltimore for less than a thousand bucks or DC. I mean, DC, that thing's probably a $2,000 apartment as is without even fixing it up, right? So, yeah, it's, it's all relative, but it also it's important to understand it. Um, I mean, I get that all the time because I have so many DC investors we work with that want to jump into Baltimore because things are cheaper. Well, there's, oh, yeah. a reason why, there's a reason why it's cheaper. I mean, it doesn't, you know, and I'm not saying one's better or worse. Um, but it's like, well, you know, nothing in, uh, nothing in DC, I can cash flow. stuff in Baltimore can cash flow. It's like, okay, well, there's a, you know, there, there's two sides of this and there's a pro and con and you're going to get your butt handed to you in both markets. If you don't know what you're doing, the issue with investing out of state is if you don't know the areas, listen, if you grew up in a certain area, um, let's use Pete for an example. He grew up in Cleveland area. 
and let's say he knows the area and he's been around the area and he has resources in the area and family in the area, it's a fine area to, to, to invest in, if he, if, even if he's not local. Do I think it's going to be harder? Absolutely. Um, because there's going to be things that he needs to put, you know, his eyes and ears on, you know, is there a lot of industry people out there, um, that believe that you can, you can do this business remotely from anywhere? Sure. I don't agree with it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I think it's going to be harder. I think for the types of assets that all of us are involved in, we want localized assets with the highest rate of returns that have the least amount of headaches. And I believe that if everything's local, you're able to do that. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't lend or buy or be involved in out-of-state projects. I just believe that it's that it's harder and stick to what you know. And there's such a huge research phase of really understanding it. I mean, we've been in long, we've all collectively been in, been around for a long time and know all these areas extremely well, like just based on address. And you know, people come into these marketplaces and night you know, and they're naive about it. And and it's not a bad thing because, you know, they're proactively trying to learn it. And, you know, obviously can't fault somebody who doesn't have as much experience as you, but at the same time, it's, you know, you got to be careful in some of these areas. You know, there's a reason why this property has been on MLS for 60 days and it seems like a good price. That's a really valid point. And and what got our, you know, obviously we had a manager relationship that makes it huge, but I don't know how this is going to sound when it comes across, but when you work in Baltimore every day and you work for the fire department and you're in and out of <laughs> certain neighborhoods every day, and then someone's like, Hey, get on a plane and go here. And you're like, okay, well, this isn't scary. You know, again, it's all relative. It doesn't mean that the area is not bad, right? Like, you know, you need to know where you're going, what you're going into. You actually need to start pulling back layers about demographics, industry, who, who, um, who, who's the major employers there? What does transportation look like? What's the economic growth of the area? That's why, like, when you look at these multifamily offer mem- offering members with all that additional data and your local, you're like, why are they wasting their time putting it all in here? It's because they're trying to get the out-of-state investors with the big boy money to come in and buy them up. And to your other point is that there's a certain asset classes that lend themselves well to investing from afar, out of state, or into funds, there's there's others that do not. And I, I truly believe that single family, your smaller, I mean, like what we just bought, are not really a good fit for investing afar. Like when you're investing afar, 50 plus units, self-contained management, self-storage where everything's online or industrial warehouse space where they're triple net leases and there's really no maintenance for you to do. Um, those are the types of stuff that you can look at to invest from afar. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of people that have local assets and local resources and they'll go out and they'll take a look at the property and then they'll have either a real estate agent or a contractor or a handyman or somebody, a partner or a friend or a relative that's local. And what, they just handle everything on their behalf. Honestly, like I don't like that type of investing personally. I, I can under, I understand why people do it. I just don't, I just don't like it. And I get it. I mean, you know, people that live in California, they want income producing properties. They're just not going to get them in California. And 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 same as, you know, Washington, D.C., it's it's similar. And they'd be like, well, listen, you know, I want to buy a property for $80,000 that cash that rents out for 1500 bucks a month. And those do exist. Those do exist in Baltimore. But like I know from experience, you know, from experience that, you know, they're going to have higher vacancy rates. They're going to have higher turnover costs. They're going to have um, higher maintenance, maintenance yeah, high, high, higher one. maintenance. You know, there's there's a lot of act, you know, active 
you know, sweat equity stuff that's kind of a pain in the neck that you gotta you gotta deal with that. And you depending on who you are, you gotta figure out your risk tolerance and your threshold. Um, you know, there's a few different types, not that this whole conversation is about <laughs> is about this, but you know, there's an argument. You can look at it in two extremes. The one extreme is you have a property that just does not cash flow, but it's a really good asset where you want to park your money into knowing that it's just a, the long-term play, um, long-term appreciation and a really good asset, hands off. You have good tenants. It's going to be a solid, stable investment and you're investing in a good asset. You know, the rule of thumb with investing in assets is typically um, just like, you know, a 1031. The goal is to always up your game and up your asset and invest in better and better and better assets. So on the one side of it, you invest in a really good asset. Um, yeah, maybe it costs you $400,000 to buy it and it only rents out at $2,500 or $2,800 a month. There's a lot of those things in Montgomery County and DC, similar stuff, right? I'm not going to fault someone who buys that. It's not going to cash flow right now, but some of them might want to just buy it in cash or take low leverage on it or whatever the case is. And they want to invest in a good piece of asset that's still going to give them a good you know, a solid return it might not might not be a double digit return, but it might be like a real hands off five to six percent rate of return that they might not be able to get anywhere else. And it's still collateralized by, you know, you still have a good piece, a good piece of asset. And at the same time, you know, that rate of return could really grow based on appreciation if it does appreciate. On the other side, you can get a real crappy property in a city that has very, very high cash flow, but it's a pain in the neck. And right. Your tenants might be all paying with cash. They might be late. You got to chase them around. It's got high maintenance costs. Yeah, you're working hard for that yield. <laughs> you're working hard regularly. You know, I'm kind of always in the point that I want to do something in the middle. Like the asset classes that we're involved in, or I'd like to step that up a little bit on our rentals, at least. I'd like to step that up personally. And this is just from experience now. Um, and even if we don't make too much positive cash flow every month, it'd be nice to have a little bit positive cash flow every month. At least we know our money is in solid, solid deals. Um, and especially that you can get good leverage on them. And it's hard to get very high leverage on, you know, you know, lower end air, lower end stuff, but it's good, but you might be able to get higher end leverage on better properties. So it just depends on who you are and what you want to be involved in. And, you know, you, you can learn by doing it in real time. Um, but you really got to do a, you know, a, a, a check on yourself first and see who you are and where you want to be at. Absolutely. 100%. And it goes back to the conversation we were having the other day live is that, you know, where, what asset class fits you, right? Um, we're, you know, we're hands-on type guys. I, I can deal with the some of the lower end stuff. <clears throat> we, you know, we've upped our game inside of that class as well, right? Like, um, but, you know, I know Jay has a more of an affinity to be in, you know, areas by him he's, he's scared of the city right whereas we're like no there's good parts of the city you just gotta understand where you're going um but then again i'm scared of dc because i hate driving down there although it's nice right now that there's no traffic we had to drop off some paperwork down there um <laughs> actually it was not that bad um so yeah 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 i hear you but um in the end you know invest in what's right for you we're not saying don't invest afar afar just know what you're doing and be clear and be um Direct with your execution, right? And that that's what matters, that you're you're taking action and you're trying. Yep, exactly. All right, so who do we got on next week? To uh, I, I don't know if we're doing a live tomorrow since you're in the firehouse. I'm, I'm, I'm at the firehouse. We can, do, we can do a live. You know, it's a crapshoot how much we're going to make it through, but uh, I'd be happy to do an update, uh, real-life streets, see what's going on out can there. We do, can we do it from the fire truck? 
I'll, I will gladly do it from the fire engine. I, I ride a, I drive a fire engine. I see Aaron still on here. Fire truck are the guys that don't put fires out. We put the fires out. The fire right. trucks get the ladders out, and we we still don't know what they do. The fire engine goes and put the fire out. Um, let's see. So, yes, fire, so, so a fire truck is just a so a, so if you drive a truck, truck is a regular truck. truck? No, ladder truck. Oh, no, ladder, ladder truck. Yeah, and I'm on the fire engine, the one with the pumps and the hoses that put the fire. Uh, I thought they were all kind of collective into one. Yeah, well, like fire truck. Had a, yeah, general term, like hard money lender, and then there's private lenders, and then there's banks, and then there's everything else, right? So, uh, uh, fair enough. So, all right, well, next week, Aaron Foster, you're on. You already committed to hop on the show. We got some really good stuff for you to talk about because. You know, notice you bought a good bit of amount of property recently, kind of all over the map. And you're actually one investor that I know. There's not many investors I know like this, but you're one investor I know that actually is diversified into a ton of different types of property stuff, property assets. Yeah. Um, you're not just localized into one asset class. You really have a lot of stuff and different ones going on. So you're you're on the mix. I think you said Monday, maybe. Um, I don't know if we have anyone else lined up for Monday. So I think you're Monday. Engines carry water, trucks carry ladder. Okay, good to know. Good, good Bad, to know. Dude, good information that, you know, no, nowhere else can you learn this. Uh, I think I'm going to try for a very interesting interview. I'm going to put it out here on record is I think we should do right now with everything going on is maybe I can get Dan to come on and maybe we can discuss some financial uh, literacy. You know, I mean, mm. if, you, if your stuff's not together, me, look, me and Jay have talked about this a lot, but if your stuff's not together in your own house, how can you go out and invest in properties? I agree. And I think it, I think it could bring some value for those that maybe are struggling that saying, hey, credit's holding me back or I don't have enough cash on hand. A few lifestyle changes, especially with this going on right now, not everybody's out eating out all the time, but you're probably saving a bunch of money saying, look, what's going on? Um Maybe I can get Dan to come on here and do. Trying a, a to think who uh, who else we had on the calendar for next week that committed. Um, uh, that, that was your department. I'm just trying to figure out how to live stream from my side. That's my goal for next week. Yeah, I don't know why that wasn't working. Didn't we get to work earlier? I don't when know, we tested dude. it yesterday. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna. I have five minutes after this call, um, so we can do it right afterwards. All right, everybody. If there's no other questions. We will chat with you. If we don't talk to you till Monday, we'll definitely be live on Monday. Are you at the firehouse Monday? I am. So uh, since Aaron's- I thought, you're, I thought you're on vacation. No, that's why I got this nice beard. I got to go back to work uh, unless I get the Coronas on Saturday. I want to go back to work Monday, but I will try my best to be available. And if I got to take a call, that's what uh, we'll, we'll do. Maybe Aaron and I will jump on Monday or I'm going to find someone to hop on with me Monday and do our thing. So bye, uh, everybody. Until next time, uh, any comments, uh, comment on any of these feeds and we'll we'll get your questions answered. And we got to do an Instagram Live as well. All Q&A Instagram Live. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow while you're at the firehouse. Yeah, we could do that. That might, be a better, that might be a better one to do because then we can hop off if uh, we hear some sirens in the back. Right. Well, and plus we know Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's a big day for me and you. So I guess it's a tough <laughs> one to go live. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it Monday. Yeah. I mean, we'll all do right. it Saturday. We'll do it Saturday. All um, right, everybody. Right, reach out if you need anything. Jason at hardmoneybankers.com. Ian at equitywarehouse.com. Thanks. Yeah, yeah.